And now, Trek News, from the world to your universe. According to NASA.gov, events for the International Space Station, Expedition 65, Spacewalks number 74 and number 75, will begin and be live-streamed Thursday, 10th June, and conclude Sunday, 27th June. Visit NASA.gov for full schedule and details. Dateline, 3rd June 2021. SpaceX.com. This past Thursday saw Falcon 9 launch the 22nd Commercial Resupply Services Mission, CRS-22 for short, from Kennedy Space Center in sunny Florida. Following separation, Falcon 9's first stage landed back on the drone ship located in the Atlantic, followed by a successful autonomous docking of Dragon, the second stage, to the ISS about 12 minutes after liftoff. Nice landing. From the BBC.com. NASA announced two new missions to Venus. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson said the missions are a, quote, chance to investigate a planet we haven't been to in more than 30 years, end quote. Nelson, of course, is referring to the Magellan Orbiter from 1990. The $500 million efforts are due to launch between 2028 and 2030, and will study the planet's atmosphere and geological features, where temperatures can reach 500 degrees Celsius, hot enough to melt lead. Whew. Don't forget your SPF 5000. This edition of Trek News has been brought to you in part by Tribbles. They do nothing but consume food and breed. Tribbles, get them off my damn ship. And now here's something we think you'll really enjoy. Ooh, hello. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm well. Were you able to uh, get stuff worked out with the house? How? What happened? Uh, it was like a pipe in our ceiling messed up or something Ooh. so i was taking a shower one day and then all of a sudden like water was raining down <laughs> into the living room oh no <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah anyway we had to call corley to come out and figure that out they're still not 100 percent sure they know but it's not happening anymore right now i have bathed since well sounds like it was resolved maybe <laughs> yeah hopefully weird situation yeah yeah i don't well, really know what you're supposed to do with those things because uh it's in your ceiling and it's a two-story house so then it's like not really a ceiling it's a floor of another room yeah oh man well very sorry that happened that's that sounds <laughs> super annoying <laughs> it's, it was annoying without further ado incoming transmission the klingon word of the day is vag these are the voyages of the starship enterprise so this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. So cool from another gene pool. Mr. Gary Horn! Yay! It's Gary Horn. Uh, hey! <laughs> Good morning! <laughs> I've never been here before. <laughs> 
not at this time of day for sure <laughs> oh yeah this is this is earlier than i've ever recorded a podcast i think really oh wow well I, I think so i don't know yeah i don't know that we've ever done uh cinema shock at this early I morning mean, we normally closer to noon or noon to two somewhere yeah it's usually later and i'm more drunk and <laughs> as opposed to how drunk you are now well it's as much as i tried i couldn't justify uh 10 (laughs) a.m it's getting hammered so (laughs) or else i'd lose the whole day so here we are we were back and forth on a while about how drunk you were going to be but (laughs) right right. but uh i kept it together for this one plus this is serious business here yeah trek Uh, very serious that's right (laughs) have you watched any other episodes other than the ones you (laughs) agreed to uh i have not actually (laughs) so you know i've been keeping up with like summaries of them but i haven't sat down and actually you know time is tight these days so it's tough to sit down and watch stuff unless you're watching it with your family or something and my wife did watch rogue planet with me did she enjoy it (laughs) she thought it was cheesy yeah (laughs) yeah you're here uh, for this one, and you know, spoiler alert for folks, he's coming back next week. The next one we're doing is also it's more fun than than serious. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, no. Okay. So what happened was is I was uh, the, it was a blooper. Uh, no, <laughs> I was reading. Um, I had pulled up, and I was like, just gonna have it in front of me to remember exactly what each one was and which one was which. And so I was looking at IMDb. And Rogue Planet starts off with like Lieutenant Reed discovers a rogue planet which is broken out of orbit and therefore is devoid of any light. Life is still possible in some places because heat is still bubbling up from under the surface. Topal doesn't detect any humanoid life. Further scans, however, give a strange energy reading which seemed to be coming from a ship on the surface. But like right up until that point, I had been like, what the F is this episode? I didn't watch this episode. I watched the episode about the hunting people. <laughs> people, yeah, yeah. And I was like, did I watch the wrong one again? <laughs> like, I... So I was very worried for a minute because I was like, it has given a lot to the first like five minutes of the show. Yeah, yeah. An inordinate <laughs> amount to stuff that doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. I was like, this description is very heavy on stuff that never comes up again. Because aren't they <laughs> taking uh photos of Archer for like Starfleet and, and like that doesn't go anywhere at all? <laughs> Right, yeah, they're sending it back, and obviously they had not even considered the iPhone at this point. (laughs) So, uh, in comparison to a couple of the last episodes that we've talked about, Fusion and Dear Doctor, Cold Front, I think these uh, Rogue Planet and Acquisition are definitely more fun episodes. And I'm super excited to talk with you about them. Uh, So that being said, let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. In a world where night never ends. It would be foolish to go into the jungle alone. A creature that can take any form lies in wait. She was real. They can look like anything. That's how they trick you. An all new enterprise. Jonathan. Someone there? Boy, I usually only get this excited when they say the title of a movie in the movie. Enterprise discovers a rogue planet. Ah, ah, he said it. He said it. That is broken out of its orbit. T'Pol scans and discovers that this rogue planet. Ah, ah, there it is. 
is. There it is. Supports a diverse animal population despite its state because of hot gases venting from its interior. And so on. Archer decides to check it out with DePaul, Reed, and Hoshi. As the crew make their way through the thick jungle, they put on their night vision sensors and penetrate deeper Giggity. into the jungle. They locate the Eska, who explain that there are dangerous animals in the forest and that they have never seen humanoids here before. They also explain that their people have come to this rogue planet ah, ah, he said it, he said it. for nine generations to kill the indigenous species in a ritual hunt with advanced weapons and camouflage. Archer falls asleep by the campfire, only to be woken up by a woman's voice calling his name. He tries to follow her, but she vanishes. Archer tells the rest of the hunting party, but nobody believes him. The Eska mocks him, asking him what the chances are that he'd encounter a half-naked woman who he knows dozens of light years from his homeworld on this rogue planet. Ah, ah, there it is! There it is! Even the Enterprise crew thinks that what he saw was nothing more than a figment of his imagination. The next day, Archer's team is exploring one of the steam vents. And so on. Archer spots the mysterious woman again. This time she tells him she needs him. Archer asks why, but before she can explain, she is scared away by T'Pol and Trip. Meanwhile, during the hunt, one of the other hunters is badly injured, requiring medical assistance on Enterprise. Doc Flox explains that the residue he found in the hunter's wound are in a state of flux. <gasps> Hoping to see the mysterious woman again, Archer finds her and learns that she is a telepathic shapeshifter and that she and her kind are in fact the animals being hunted for sport. Doc Flox believes he can find a way to mask the chemical signature that the wraiths emit when frightened. And so on. The hunters find it strange that they fail this time when they hadn't before. Archer smugly admits to being bad luck. Archer has a final encounter with the thankful Wraith woman who agrees to meet him at the top of the Empire State Building in six months. Then she vanishes into the darkness of the rogue planet. Oh, that's why they call it that. So, Gary, what's the weirdest dream you've ever had while camping? <laughs> it involved George Bush and a Pokemon card, rhinoceros riding a giraffe. Um, so <laughs> I yeah. saw that earlier today. I was just like, that is, that is great. <laughs> 100% accurate. Oh, the internet is wonderful for, for memes early in the morning. Oh, I know how often you post, but like, what's the earliest you end up like doing a meme dive and searching for the memes that you post on Instagram? Sometimes if I'm losing my train of thought at work, <laughs> just, like something's got to get me perked up for the morning. So nice. memes it is. It started in the pandemic, but people seem to like it. So it's just continued on. It was just something to like, hey, everything else is a doubter right now. So yeah, for those that don't know, my Insta story is just regularly a series of memes. At least two dozen. Yeah. Usually. <laughs> I try to post them at different times because they disappear. Right. And uh, so I try to like spread them out a little bit, you know, because like some will go away and at least some will still be there. So it's always got something. But <laughs> Yeah, probably thinking too much about it. <laughs> you do put a lot of effort into it. We're starting to amass quite a collection of Star Trek memes through our Instagram page at Computer Instagram. It's getting fun. A couple people have tagged us in meme, and uh, I hope that continues because it's a real great way to start the morning. <laughs> Instead of reading all the garbage in the news, you can just... <laughs> Well, yeah, flood yeah. Flood your and feed with memes, man. I have to start sending you the Star Trek ones I run across because, yeah, I'll take you know the movie ones I find and send them over to Cinema Shock, so I post them up there. Yeah, yeah, shoot those to me, and absolutely. 
So I actually did have a question that sort of relates to the topic of this particular episode of Enterprise. You're from Georgia. Did you do much fishing or hunting as a kid? Um, when I was a kid, I went fishing all the time. Because okay, uh, I, I was, you know, indoor kid from the word go. So I, this is all kind of new to me. I was never a good hunter. I went a couple of times, but uh, well, if we're going to be real lame about it, the only time I uh, I had my grandfather, we didn't find anything. So then there was this is a sad story. So I'm just going to breeze through it real quick. There was a bird <laughs> in a tree and I was like, kill that. And he's like, why? And I was like, because like, there it is. So he, my grandfather was like, army vet like excellent shot and mm -hmm. like pulled up his gun shot the bird and it fell into this brush i was like okay and he's like well we can't go get it it's over this brush we'll never find it i'm like all right and he's like how'd that make you feel <laughs> and i was like i don't <laughs> know make you feel I never thought something about something to die <laughs> yeah and uh it was like a real big life moment that has stuck with me to this day because i just started to cry a little bit just to oh. make myself super lame because i was just like he was like, you got to think about the reason you're out here and what you're doing and blah, blah, blah. And I know it seems weird to some people even that don't ever hunt that there's any morality involved in it whatsoever. Yeah, he had it like this whole thing. He's like, we're out here like anything we use or do, we're going to use. And you're not shooting pointless things and you're not, yeah. you know, not killing just for the hell of it, basically. And like we had like a whole like day long life lesson about the importance of that and then i also decided i just didn't really honey wasn't for me <laughs> and uh, yeah. i was like i don't i don't like killing things yeah so. and it's kind of you know you always hear those uh horror stories about so-and-so violence towards animals and now they're a serial killer but it also seems like the flip side of that coin is folks like you who have some sort of experience like that at a young age and and it clicks of like hey there's a difference between life and death and right and wrong and bro i still feel bad for that bird yeah, like, yeah. like i killed like, that bird that was me like, yeah <laughs> i never got into hunting too much or fishing really even though i think there's a lake it's like one of those man-made lakes it's like right around the corner you know a couple blocks from the house where i grew up <laughs> I think because my father was a Vietnam veteran, it was just like, no, I've done that stuff in the middle of the jungle. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. No camping, no hunting, no fishing. We're going to Walmart. Let's go. <laughs> well, it even happened with fishing. When you're growing up like where I did, like mm -hmm. it was just like a thing you do and you just go fishing and you catch it. And you don't really think of fish as anything other than just little things that are out in the ocean. You can eat them, you know, and like, yeah. It, it is weird. And, and granted, by the way, but I'm not vegan or anything, so I'm not perfect at this. I just decided I didn't like the idea of me doing it, which some people would argue probably that I shouldn't eat meat at all if, if I don't have the willingness to do it. And that's a whole other tangent to go on. But I will say, do I believe that around the time of when Star Trek is taking place that they might look back at us as, as they will a lot of things? They'll be like with meat eating probably be like these freaking savages yeah probably yeah i think they will i think eventually that will be a thing like that something like a replicator will happen or 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 whatever enough vegetarian or vegan options will suddenly start appearing then like you'll you'll just be an animal yeah for, like, an, an energy slash atomic resequencer that as we've seen in discovery turns poop into apples <laughs> right yeah. it's weird to think 
and again, bringing it up like how we how we will be viewed in the future from where we are now, looking back in the past, it was all about the food chain and like who's the dominant species on this food chain. And then how we've somehow transitioned to, you know, where we are roughly now, where it's like, you're okay with killing and eating a fish, maybe because they're lower on like the cuddly chain. You know, like if we're it's still, true. if we're true. still on top, because people love like baby photos and, but then like right under that, it's like cute puppies and kittens. And then you got like bunnies and those goats that fall over and, and on down the line. Like, where do certain animals fall on the cuddly chain? So in the future, will there be another chain that we hadn't even thought of yet? I guess like here now, there's also like the cuddly chain, but also the usefulness chain of like, okay, I you know, the fur, the meat, the, you know, and whatever else you, you get from hunting. But I, I think we're kind of getting away from that and going, you know, more like polyesters and materials and stuff like that. And again, a lot of people are going vegan. So the meat thing's becoming less of a priority. So I wonder how that chain, whatever it is, you know, long ago was the food chain. Now it's kind of like the cuddliness and usefulness chain. Like what will it be in the future? Like potential for transplants into humans, like, you know, hybrid creatures and stuff like that. I mean, and then there's going to be the whole debate and war over the rights of those creatures and, What's going to happen you, then? <laughs> I don't know if you're bringing this up because of this, but like just recently, like the the Senate, like literally as we're recording this, like last week, human, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, is it Chimera? Hybrids, this is my best understanding. So forgive me, anybody who listens to this and is just like this idiot trying to talk about biology and chemistry and science things. But <laughs> so a, a bill got struck down in the Senate um, it voted right along party lines, but basically it was that the Republicans, and this is, I'm passing no moral judgment here, as, as you'll hear in this episode and next, like I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to analytically talk about these things, but the Republicans voted, like they were trying to pass a bill that was striking down the use of certain human chimera hybrid fetuses or something like that. And the Democrats, they shut it down because Democrats have the most votes. So mm. it would have needed like a certain amount to, to but, but basically what it is, is that it's not as though, just so I'm being clear, they're not like growing human animal crossovers that we know of. It laughs. Right. Like <laughs> I read a thing from a, a bioethicist who was talking about it. It's like, they're not growing like actual like hybrid people in labs like letting them grow but what it's for is scientific discovery like sometimes they can grow like particular organs mm -hmm. or something like that like to see like the effects of certain things on cells and like sometimes they'll inject human cells into like these organs and it would also be like a cross with like, a monkey or something and uh Anyway, you can Google this if you don't believe me. It just happened like last week. Trust me, I'm going to find the link to this article and whatever else I can find. And I will put it in the show notes because this sounds super fascinating. <laughs> it just like popped up on my feed one day and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. I was looking for memes while I'm drunk in the morning. Come on. That's kind of it. So it was just like. <laughs> And I'm like, am I seeing this right? And I checked it like in a couple of different places. I was like, I didn't even know you could do this. I didn't even know that there could be like 
this thing right now that this was even a discussion. So yeah, obviously the Republicans are voting on it in the with the implication that again, I'm just talking here, but that like I would say it's a uh, it would fit in their stream of thought that like it would they protect right to life and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They look at this thing as like, oh, now you're toying with like potential human cells. Now you're mixing it with this other stuff. And now mm-hmm. like what point is this a human life? And now it requires what you said triggered this, that protection, yeah, protection and yeah. like that sort of thing. When is it human and when is it not all of these things? That's a whole other thing, a tangent I didn't expect we'd be talking about this no. early in the morning. But No, but that's it's, fine. In addition to being a a Star Trek fan, I'm also a fan of Doctor Who, and there's quite a few episodes where they encounter life forms that are human-cat hybrids and uh, human-whatever-else hybrids, and yeah, that happens, that seems to be frequent in the distant future, so I wonder, the things that were written, and I mean, just just for this country, the Declaration of Independence and, you know, the Constitution and all that stuff, and it's all kind of based on, like, human beings, the human race, these people, as we progress, how relevant will those documents and laws stay once our species, be it by our own hand or natural occurrences, evolves into something else? Even aside from the biological point, you know, again, being a sci-fi fan, you always think about the technological side as well, because, you know, we're seeing advancements in all kinds of technological physical replacements. Uh, you know, I, I have a friend who actually works with prosthetics, helping people who have lost limbs and things like that. In the back of my mind, there was always kind of a question of like, what percentage of your body would have to be artificial to be considered, I guess, cyborg? If it's yeah. mechanical? I don't I don't know. I, I find stuff like that super fascinating. And I hope no one finds this offensive in any way because I, I you know I'm not making fun I am genuinely cr- curious about it I'll see what other articles I can find to go along with that and I'll put them in the show notes and if anybody out there knows or can give us a shove in the general direction please hit us up at computer resume podcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on the socials at computer resume on all the socials Gary, do you have anything else uh, stuck out to you about this uh, particular episode? Anything caught your, well, uh, save caught one your imagination? That's going to, because I, I obviously, I don't know why. I guess I was overthinking these episodes, but it, it uh, <laughs> maybe the writers even intended for this to happen. But I have a topic about objective morality, which I think is interesting that even comes up in the next one. So I'll save it for acquisitions, Ooh. but it goes along with this discussion we're having too. The things that sit out for me in Rogue Planet. As I was watching it, I was like, production value on this show is actually better than I... They do a good job. And and now they're doing smart. I mean, they shoot at night. So for anybody who doesn't... I mean, nighttime is easier to disguise some of the CG and stuff like that than it is sure. in bright daylight. But some of the stuff looked really good. Like, it, none of it took me out of it. Like, I, I was... I don't know. For some reason, watching Rogue Planet, I was like, this, this show looks pretty good. Yeah. And the episode was solid. Like, I have no qualms with the episode. I do think it's weird. And they do this in acquisitions, too, that for some reason, these alien species, both of them, everything translates perfectly. I mean, in, in Rogue Planet, this alien species is inside Archer's brain, essentially, and mm-hmm. knows his whole language and everything about him. But if you say the word human... 
it throws them off. Like they cannot, they're like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> what is human? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, why is that the one? Like, especially for in Rogue Planet, where it's like the alien, I was like, I could become the thing you used to stroke it to in the middle of the night, like when you were a kid. <laughs> like I could be that chick, but human, what does that mean? I don't know why they do that, but they do it in both episodes. It was actually kind of a gesture of diplomacy, I feel like. Hey, we want your help, so we're going to appear as friendly to you as possible because you are different here. I mean, she says that. You're you're different. You're not like the others. Mm -hmm. And found the thing that brought him comfort to put him at ease so that they would be in the best possible position for diplomatic relations. And hey, we need your help. And this other, you know, for nine generations, anything else that came there came there to kill them <laughs> off the bat. And maybe they didn't know how to communicate, even though it seems like the Eska have been coming there for a long time and seem to communicate. And I mean, they're humanoid. It seemed to do things very similar to humans for whatever reason they couldn't. Maybe they're just their idea of tradition and this ritualistic hunt you know, superseded all other ideas of peaceful relations with other species in the galaxy. Sounds like Trump voters to me, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> is that over the line? Is that wrong uh, of me to say? Probably who like Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling most people that listen to this are probably going to go, yeah, it sounds kind of like them. Trek fans are a bunch of commies. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, while they're kind of stomping through the forest, they've got those night vision goggles and then the the esca have their goggles that they're looking through and i know we talked about found footage and i thought like hey this is kind of that thing that gary likes the found footage we get it from that first person perspective and i was like yeah. this is, this would be a cool way to uh to integrate that into more star trek episodes you know i didn't really think about it but that is something that i mean maybe that's why i like this one a little bit more yeah. um and it's fun it does have a bit of a horror movie vibe i mean the it's always night and they're hunting these things through the forest. And then you find out, oh, the hunters that we've been with the whole time are actually the bad guys. Like there's a twist. I will say this, uh, contrary to popular belief, if you use night vision, you don't need flashlights. <laughs> You're absolutely right. A lot of people get that wrong. <laughs> so uh, even many hundreds of years in the future. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it would have been a, cooler visual to maybe have them backlit and have some light bouncing off some of the leaves and then just seeing these green dots you know over the eyes yeah. of the humans and then these red bars over the eyes of the aliens sort of bouncing through the brush that would have been pretty cool yeah it is interesting i, I wonder if at any generation like this creature had tried to reach the hunter people mm. if the hunters were just a-holes or if they legitimately believed that the creatures yeah. were just lower life forms, like just little snake things they were killing. Yeah, yeah. Um, also brings into, you know, then I guess you could even take it further and go like, well, at what point is it okay to kill something and what point is it not? But Right, uh, yeah. To just show up on another planet and hunt it for food. Predators do it and they seem fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, the other thing that this makes me think of, is there a possibility that this species could have been assimilated at some point? Because... That would make the Borg real, real scary <laughs> if they could turn into anything. 
<laughs> yeah, that would be weird. I never thought about that. Would they have the technology to even find one to assimilate? And then once they do, like, what does that mean for that particular Borg? Are these know. creatures ever in Star Trek again? I don't think they are. I keep calling them creatures. I apologize. The species. Are they the race? Is this race ever in Star Trek again? Because it... <laughs> Because they seem very, you know, like once you get to know them, they seem very intelligent and they uh, clearly they're not that far away. By the time, like later in Star Trek, you, you'd had to have run across this planet again at some point. You'd yeah, because they've been away from Earth for a few months now. So they yeah, put some, like by the they time put Archer some... and his crew get there, I mean, at least by the time you get to Picard and everybody, it must be like a hop, skip and a jump to find yeah. this planet you know? yeah exactly so i don't know i think that may have been a missed opportunity but maybe they're a peaceful species that just want to be you know left on their little dark planet and and enjoy the steam vents and so on <laughs> listen I'm a... i'll never fault someone for enjoying a good steam that's true yeah it's uh <laughs> you gotta Oh, gosh. Well, let's get into a couple of the stats here. Uh, the story was done by Berman and Braga, of course, uh, and also Mr. Chris Black. Uh, Black has uh, produced and written episodes of Cleopatra 2525, Sliders, Weird Science, and Xena Warrior Princess. But he also co-wrote the 1997 action movie Masterminds, starring Sir Patrick Stewart. <laughs> oh look at that <laughs> bringing it all back around bringing it all back to track started track bring it back to track <laughs> black also did the teleplay for this episode uh this episode was directed by alan croker who we've covered before his last episode was season one episode three fight or flight so guest starring in this episode we have miss stephanie nisnik as the wraith who appears as the woman uh she's also got a ton of tv credits to her name sliders profiler and renegade did you ever watch renegade as a kid yeah with lorenzo Lamas. yeah like the coolest intro ever yeah yeah i enjoyed that show because <laughs> i think it had uh had the movie voice guy he was a cop and good at his job but he committed the ultimate sin and testified against other cops gone bad cops that tried to kill him but got the woman he loved instead framed for murder now he prowls the badlands an outlaw hunting outlaws a bounty hunter a renegade See, like shows like that and like Xena and stuff, for some reason, the way they look like feels like it fits right in with yeah. or, no, this, this show looks like for some reason, this like grittier, like weird. I know some of that could be like the HD thing, but yeah, I don't know. Something, I don't know, something about them. There's like this seven to 10 year period where it feels like all the TV shows kind of feel like this. Yeah. And this was, I think, Renegade was, I'm going to say, the late was, 90s, I think uh 95 95 yeah saying. so Somewhere mid 90s and uh yeah it does have a have that feel and i know we mentioned it before on the show where enterprise is this weird thing where it was kind of in between two different generations in the history of tv and because it was caught in the middle it wasn't one or the other maybe that helped maybe that hindered probably hindered but yeah it ended up being this weird hybrid of two different generations of television it's for what a, it's worth it's uh you know I, I was gonna bring up just because i was 
on board with the production value and the way this was shot that the guy that did it, I can't remember if we brought him up before and you may have, but Marvin V. Rush is the cinematographer and he has mm. like done every Star Trek almost. Like he wow. is he is all over. Like he has done 90, he did like 92 episodes of Enterprise. And, wow, that's but he was also impressive. on Next Gen and Voyager and everything. Like, I, I guess it's did good he, work if you can get it. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Did he have any uh, any involvement with any of the Trek films? Um, not that I necessarily see here. It looks like he's mostly in TV. I just pulled up his IMDb just to check. But he did Next Gen and Deep Space Nine and Voyager. He did 149 episodes of Voyager, so not some Voyager. Like, a uh, lot of Voyager, most yeah. of Voyager, it sounds like. <laughs> 45 episodes of Deep Space Nine, 78 episodes of Next Gen. Wow. Even he's done 24 episodes of The Orville. So like, they just brought the same guy in. Nice, yeah. Well, I mean, you sharpen your blade at something for that long, people are going to go, hey, we're doing a similar thing and you seem to be really good at it. <laughs> yeah. Come They're on over. This is, this is the go-to guy if you want the uh, serial space show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last guest star we'll mention for this episode is Mr. Keith Zarabajka as Damaris, one of the hunters. He's another one of these guys, character actor, who you've seen him in a bunch of stuff. And if you haven't seen him or don't know that you've seen him, you've almost undoubtedly heard him. He's got a real distinct voice and he's got some credits. Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, Duckman, Babylon 5, Walker, Texas Ranger, and all of that including a bunch of few that I mentioned Duckman. He's got a ton of animated credits and video game credits. Uh, and that all leads up to his first appearance in the franchise on an episode of Voyager in early 2000. So he's got a bunch of things and this is not the last time we're going to see him. This is not the last time we're going to talk about him, but he's a really cool actor. Keith Zarabajka. It's, it's a mouthful. It's a triple word score for sure. Check him out. Pull up his resume and give it a read. It's really fascinating. Did you happen to take any extra time to actually find the poem by Yates that Archer was talking about? You know, I didn't. I didn't mean to, actually. I was interested in it, but I just never had a chance. It is kind of fascinating that, because I looked it up, and of course, the episode that appears before the episode that we're recording right now is my wife playing Sally Archer, reading the poem. So... I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you have some time, pull up Yates's Wikipedia and just learn about the guy. He, you know, he had a real interesting life and career. And this particular poem, the Song of the Wandering Angus, is a really interesting choice to read at bedtime to a child about this weird guy who goes fishing, catches a fish, it turns into a girl, and he spends the rest of his life unfulfilled because he's looking for this woman. <laughs> I guess it's as good as, you know, when the bow breaks, the baby will fall like in any other nursery rhyme, but it's an interesting choice. This is a, a mix of a lot of different Star Trek things in here, you know, because mm -hmm. obviously like quoting classic literature and stuff like that is pretty common between, I mean, even Kirk did it and yeah. Picard and everybody, all of them do oh, it yeah. at some point. So it's interesting to see what hangs on. I think... Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, one of the biggest complaints as I was like perusing things online about this episode was this planet is afloat in space 
and not oh, yeah. part of any particular orbit, but somehow it has vegetation and life forms and seems like a okay atmosphere for people to live <laughs> on. You know, it's very earth like, even though it's oh, not yeah. in a position that earth is in. And that seemed very unscientific to some folks, which, you know, I get it. Also, the things have uh, some kind of telepathic ability. Yeah. If you're approaching this with a very Neil deGrasse Tyson sensibility, it's Star Trek. Like, <laughs> let's have some fun here. <laughs> but that is correct. I also, you know, debated on whether or not we should discuss, like, how long do you think a planet like that will last? So, you know, if it's got, if it's only got one oasis where volcanic steam is basically creating this jungle-like area on this dead rock, was what made that happen part of some sort of battle or war that we just don't know about maybe that was where the board came in maybe the board had more issues with this species than we would think and maybe part of their plan was they drug the planet out of its orbit and and created this and they were finally able to get some of that species maybe this species gave more bite than they bargained for yeah also Archer seems to have no second thoughts about interfering in the situation here. Oh, uh, Archer just uh, jumps right in with like, uh, I'm going to help these folks out and keep them from, for some, I don't know. The last episode I was on Todd. All I'm saying is, is this time around, he was like, nah, this can't happen. They can't go extinct. Oh so, yeah. This guy is in desperate need of a prime directive. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if at any point, if he's going to start making decisions like this, which I'm not saying I disagree with this decision. I'm just saying if he's going to start making decisions like this, is at any point he going to think about those poor people that are suffering some kind of genetic disease and be like, you know what? Maybe we should go back and go ahead and help those folks out. Yeah. Let's, let's swing back by that planet and see, see which I guess it we'll just drop him off a care package. Just here you go. <laughs> I guess he is the one who kind of wanted to help him and Phlox was the one who did it. So, yeah. And it's it. weird. I, I feel like if there was an episode of maybe uh, the original series or next gen, that would have been interesting because Phlox is not a member of Starfleet. He's part of the, the medical exchange had the CMO of NXO one been a member of Starfleet. Could he have claimed that the captain was acting irrationally and taking command of the situation and acted outside of the command structure. I think that poses an interesting question and certainly some thick plot that would have been interesting to explore. Totally agree. So next week we are covering Enterprise Season 1, Episode 19, Acquisition, with our good friend, Mr. Gary Horn. And of it's course, bigger. that uh, we're excited to have you back, man. That, and that's going to be a fun episode. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It is definitely the heist movie in, re in reverse. I guess you're you're rooting you're rooting for the suckers essentially, uh, like <laughs> off the so. bat, and then it turns around. Yeah, it's fun. And of course, uh, Acquisition uh, is available on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and of course, Paramount+. Plus. Before we get into the social media tags, I did want to note that if you have enjoyed our new outro music, which is done by Drone Node, Drone Node has released a new single. So I will post their contact info in the show notes again so you guys can go and find the single and support Drone Node. 
drone node if you're not familiar with drone node they do sort of this ethereal electronic music that's based on sci-fi and action films of like the 80s and 90s it's got a really cool vibe if you dig us and you like what we're doing go support drone node it's a super cool project i am so glad i was able to get in touch with them and they're cool with us using their music so far so i'll continue to do it and i'll continue to promote them and it's really cool even if i wasn't involved with using their music i would be a fan of drone node it's really cool gary what do you got going on with uh, the NWA? Give folks the rundown. What's the skinny? If you happen to be a crossover fan of Star Trek and pro wrestling, they do exist. <laughs> then uh, you can come over to my show at TIPW show on all the social medias. The YouTube is youtube.com slash this is pro wrestling. But yeah, we've uh, partnered with the NWA a little bit. They've uh, led us on to do their post show for NWA power, which is available on Fight TV. So I don't know how many Star Trek slash pro wrestling fan crossovers there are, but we exist. They do exist. There's always room for more. Yeah, there's always room for more. And <laughs> some pro wrestlers will show up on Star Trek from time to time. So yes. you gotta, there are connections to be made. I am at This Is Gary Horde. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in 10 forward. to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcast at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. Our outro music was provided with permission by Drone Node. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And I'm Cat Davis at that.darn.cat with a K on Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods and we're gonna find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Uh, Miss Stephanie Nizik? Nez... Niznik. That feels right. I'm just going to take that again.